生はゲームですこの国はすっかりダメになってしまいましたそこで今日は皆さんにちょっと殺し合いをしてもらいますバトルロワイヤルなんで嫌なやつだと思うかもしれないけど他のみんなが怖いの必死になって戦って生き残る価値のある大人になりましょう<音楽>おじおじ死後してんじゃねえ<音楽>ごめんな俺が殺した反則だよなバトルロワイヤル Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show, Heroic Purgatory, an Asian cinema podcast. Today, we'll be discussing Kinji Fukasaku's 2000 film, Battle Royale. My name is John, and with me, as always, is my co host, Jason.、Uh, how are you doing, Jason? I'm doing fine, John. How are you doing? I wish I could say a lot has changed since last time we talked, but not much has changed.、Uh, still working from home, still、uh, living with COVID and everything that it entails. And、perhaps this podcast will、um, be something like the COVID diaries when an alien civilization sifts through the wreck of、uh, humanity's civilizations.、Uh, they'll find our podcast and、um, research how people lived. Yeah, and of course, I'm, I'm sure they'll get a lot of insight from us,、uh, especially from tonight's movie. <laughs> All right, so we'll start with the section where we kind of talk about. You know, what we've been watching and reading over the past two weeks since last we spoke up. So, why don't you, why don't you start? In terms of, well, I haven't really been reading anything. I've given up on Bonfire of the Vanities for now. I've watched、uh, quite a few films、um, Taxi, the Jean Luc Besson movie from the 90s. The French one? Yep. Yeah, I've seen all, all this, the entire series of that one. So, I've Only、uh, up until this week, I had only seen the American remake、uh, in a cinema, and I'd always wanted to watch、um, the original French movie, and it was on Amazon Prime, so I gave it a go, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think、um, obviously I was too young for the first two, but I think、uh, I'm pretty sure I watched、uh, the fourth one in the cinemas. I can't remember if I watched the third one in the cinemas. I was certainly too young for it.、Uh, but yeah, I remember them. I think. Uh, I haven't seen them、uh, recently. I'm, I'm worried that my opinion of them will, will diminish if I revisit them now, but I, I have very fond memories of them. De-、oh, definitely, the first one is really good. And it plays around with all those European stereotypes of French and Germans. I see. So it's very enjoyable, broadly funny.、Um, another film that I watched was、um, Grizzly Man by Werner Herzog, also on Amazon Prime.、Uh, have you heard of it?、Uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen it. I, oh, you've seen it? I've seen、okay. most of Herzog's later documentaries so, that he made since he moved to the US. I, I, I can't say that I've seen all of them, but a, a good number of them I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen. I haven't watched many of his documentaries, to be honest.、Um, I've watched his fiction work, such as Heart of Glass,、um, Aguirre, Wrath of Gods, Pitts Corraldo, all the classics.、Uh, but the documentaries are still new to me.、Um, Grizzly Man. I th- this was my first time watching it, and it was quite a harrowing viewing, actually, because he sets up Timothy Treadwell as this really sympathetic character to begin with, and then、uh, he, like, Treadwell's this dreamer charmed by animals and、uh, living with bears seems magical. And then obviously there's the tragedy behind the story, and Herzog also strips away those early images and presents a man who's deeply disconnected from society. And、uh, other things that I've been watching are Battle Royale 1 and 2 for this podcast and、um, Japanese films from the New York Asian Film Festival. My, my week has been kind of the same,、um, a little bit slower. I, I, unfortunately, I didn't have the time to watch、uh, films that I didn't have to. I, I, like you, I followed the New York、uh, Asian Film Festival. I watched, you know, Battle Royale and all the, the, film, the, the two films.、Um, I started. 
this was my third attempt at reading, at trying to read the Battle Royale novel, uh, and we can novel, okay. and we can discuss that later. I'm not sure if you've read it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I read it yeah, last month. Uh, it was my third attempt, and uh, this one I think is going to end like my previous two attempts. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to uh, to follow through with it. Um, but, uh, uh, but we can, we can talk about that later when we get into the movie. Uh, but Mm. that, that's it for me. Like I said, it's been a slow week. I've been reading, um, I'm still reading sort of that biography, uh, that I was reading last time about, um, science fiction. And I've started reading, um, Alfred Bester's The Star's My Destination. It's, it's an old novel and that's, I'm enjoying that quite a bit, but in terms of cinema, I've been, it's been a slow week. Mm. So um, once done with that, we can. Uh, there's a couple of news items that I've written down, and you can add more to that. Uh, like we mentioned last time, the New York Asian Film Festival is still going. Uh, I'm not sure it will be going by the time this episode goes up, but maybe there'll be one or two days left that people can watch films online. There is a, a, a news item related to what we conversed about last week. A well-known Hong Kong director died I think the day after we recorded our episode last week, uh, and that's Benny Chan. Uh, he uh, he was a acclaimed Hong Kong director, but he was particularly known for directing several Jackie Chan films. And uh, lastly, uh, of course, there's the Venice Film Festival that is either going on or is about to start soon. Do you have any, any news on that? Yeah, it started on September 2nd, and there are a handful of Asian films in terms of features, there's one Japanese film, The Wife of a Spy by Kyoshi Kurosawa. It's his first sort of historical drama, and it's set during the 1940s uh, in Kobe and Manchuria, I believe. And it's actually uh, a theatrical cut of an NHK drama, which aired in June of this year. There are two, oh, there's one Hong Kong film, Love After Love by Anne Hui. And it has cinematography by Christopher Doyle. And that's set just before World War II um, in Hong Kong. And it has uh, music by Ryuichi Sakamoto. Night in Paradise, which is a South Korean gangster film. And The Best is Yet to Come, which comes from mainland China. I am, uh, I'm a little bit ashamed to admit this, but I haven't seen a single Anne Hui film. I know she's a very acclaimed director, and I'm, I'm familiar with her films by name and reputation, but I just it just hasn't happened yet. I must admit, I haven't seen any of her films either. Okay, so I guess we can uh, maybe pick one at, at some uh, future date. Uh, so do you know if, if the festival is also going to be shown online, if there's any way to access it? I think this is a totally physical festival. Um, I've seen social media posts of people in cinemas with some social distancing that's yeah that's that's brave of them i guess i guess i don't know i there, there i i was i was sort of expecting i'm not surprised i was expecting some resistance from the old guard to transitioning online like i said i i, I definitely get it i'm i'm because of my circumstances i'm i'm in favor of online festival because i just i just i'm not the i don't have many opportunities to travel and actually go see a festival so i'm i always welcome the opportunity but i understand uh, why people want to preserve the traditional experience. Major festivals coming up like Toronto and London are online. Um, I think they're mixing online with physical uh, events. But Venice has been strong in its response to COVID-19. And everybody's watching to see how it will unfold. All right. Um, is there any other news items that you'd like to add? Uh, no, not at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're not a news show, so that's understanding. I, I mean, the things we mentioned are just you know things that come to our attention, but we're not necessarily obligated to to calm the internet and find every little uh, item of news out there. So I think this is enough. So I suppose that there's nothing left but to proceed to our discussion. And like I mentioned in the introduction, the film that we're talking about today is Kinji Fukasaku's final directorial effort. Uh, or complete directorial effort in in the feature film department, and that is Battle Royale, based on a novel by Koshun Takami, released just the year before. And um, would you like uh, would you like to give us a plot summary, Jason? Okay, the movie takes place in a near future dystopia in Japan, following a major economic and social crisis that has caused unemployment to explode and the youth to revolt. As classrooms are abandoned and teachers face escalating violence, the Japanese government decide that the only way to control this new generation of disruptive teenagers is to issue the Battle Royale Act, an ultra-violent attempt to stop juvenile delinquency whereby every year a random class of middle school children 
that means 15 year olds, are taken to a remote island and made to fight to the death until only one survivor is left. This survivor can then return to society. Uh, the film follows class freebie of Shiroiwa Junior High as they go through the Battle Royale challenge. Well, we should mention the cast as well. So the titular roles are played, or the main roles are played by Tatsuya Fujiwara, who plays uh, Shuya Nanahara, and uh, Aki Maeda plays Noriko Nakagawa, his uh, friend, quote unquote, love interest. And uh, of course, there's a, you know, there's a, uh, some other child actor, actors who um, some of them are, are more well known than others. You can maybe f- uh, fill us in there since you're more familiar with uh, Japanese, the personalities of Japanese cinema. But one notable actor that I'm sure nobody would ever uh, forget or mistake is Takeshi Kitano, who plays uh, an aptly named character Kitano mm. uh, as their former teacher, the class's former teacher who leaves the class but then returns to, to be in charge of the Battle Royale challenge. It seems like um, Fukusaku specifically wanted Kitano for this role. He's uh, on the record as saying if he didn't get Kitano, he wouldn't have done the project. And the two were supposed to work together um, during Violent Cop. Um, so Fukusaku was um, meant to be the director. He wanted Kitano for an eight-week shoot, but Kitano was busy with TV uh, projects, so uh, Fukusaku had to drop out of uh, Violent Cop, and Takeshi Kitano became the director, and that was his debut feature film. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm imagining how Violent Cop would have been if Fukusaku had stayed on board. It would have been a very, very different film. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm sort of. I, I've always wondered why they waited so long. Like that, that's eleven years since Violent Cup. Why they l- waited so long to, to collaborate if they wanted to? You know, from the uh, both Kitano and Fukasaku made several films since since that time. And I'm just. And I don't think. I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they made a film. They made another film together. No, I think Battle Royale was their only collaboration together. Yeah, and of course you can, you know, the one scene that Fukasaku directed on the sequel that also featured Kitano, mm. I guess you could count that as a second film, but he didn't get to finish that one. Mm. Yeah, we have to remember that um, Fukasaku was 70 at the time, and uh, I believe he was already diagnosed as having cancer. Uh, and I, I also would like to pay my respect to Fujiwara, who, in, a, in addition, I mean, he's done a lot of films as a well-known actor. But the one, the one role that I think a lot of that he's known in the West, in addition to Battle Royale, is his Death Note performance, which I think is a very is a very underrated film. Well, not underrated; it's well received, but maybe it doesn't it doesn't receive as a, as much attention as it would when it comes to death as it should. When it comes to Death Note adaptation, the anime is is better known, but I think that. The two-part film that they did in 2006, just a year before the anime, I think it's a it's a really good film that featured not only Fujiwara but also was a break breakout performance for. Um, Has it Kenichi Matsuyama? Yes, that's correct. He also kind of came out of that and continued to have a great career after that. But Fujiwara as Light Yagami was maybe the role he was born to play. Okay, to play. Mm. Uh, in in my humble opinion, I, I really I really enjoyed him in that in that role. I think it's a it's a it's an underrated film. I don't think it's it's a masterpiece or anything like that. It has its flaws. I don't think it's as good as, for example, the film that we're talking about today. But it, I do I do like to give it a shout out. Yeah, uh, Tatsuya Fujiwara is also um, a theatre actor as well. He's um, he actually travelled to the UK uh, with the Ninagawa Theatre Company to do Shakespeare plays or adaptations of Shakespeare plays. In what language? Uh, in Japanese uh, with English subtitles. I didn't get the chance to go see. So I can't say whether it's good or not, but reviews were positive. So when you say English subtitles, like how how was this how was this accomplished? I can't say for certain. Maybe they had a uh, like they had a screen behind the actors in the theater that translated the the words in real time. So other actors involved in Battle Royale, just to move on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You had uh, Koshi Basaki, who uh, and Chiaki Kuriyama. They were fresh young talents. And uh, they auditioned for each other's roles. And Koshi Misaki was supposed to play Takaku Chikusa. And Chaki Kuriyama was supposed to play the villainous Mitsuko Soma. Yes. Uh, and I, I think she could have done it, you know, based, you know, they're not, uh, they're not very different from each other. I think the, the uh, Mitsuko and Chikusa's difference are that 
one is alone, whereas the other one is uh, in love with one of the characters, but they both have that, um, I want to say mean-spiritedness that ha- that both characters have in common. Uh, I think it's much more emphasized with Mitsuko's character. Yeah, she's very much, especially in the book, she's very much a loner, very much calculate, cold and calculating, whereas um, Takako's character is much more aloof. Yes, she she's more of a wants things to happen their way, but she does not necessarily uh, she does not necessarily want to be alone in in the process. And Mitsuko uh, feels like um, she's alone, and she's unafraid to get her hands dirty. Um, and I think uh, you know, and this is not a criticism. This is just an observation. Mitsuko is more of a uh, a manga or anime villain, whereas I think uh, Takako Chigusa could be an actually um, a, a, a more realistic villain if she I'm not saying she's a villain in the film but I think her personality could very well be turned into a, sort of a, a villain with an interesting backstory um, you know if 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 you know there was a spin-off in some imaginary world or something like that I see um, Mitsuko Soma as like um, an antecedent to um, Kanako from the world of Kanako in the sense that these are both young women who are exposed to um, sexual abuse and violence from a young age, and it warps their personalities. Uh, that's true, and we should mention that that uh, that we don't get that. Um, uh, well, let me let me back up a little bit. So uh, let's let's go let's let before we can talk more about the actors and the character. But first of all, let's just give. Um, let's uh, talk about you know when did we first watch these films. Uh, what did we think of them, and what versions of the film uh, did we watch? Because there are at least two versions that I'm familiar with of Battle Royale out there. So uh, why don't you start, Jason? So um, in the UK, we got the original cut in about the year 2001, 2002, um, the Tartan release. And I was in high school at the time, and uh, I bought it. I think I saw it on Japanorama or on the website Kung Fu Cult Cinema. I can't remember which. But uh, I was around the same age as the protagonists and um, I, I was probably sharing their feelings about the world. And I felt like the film was really exciting. It spoke to me about my concerns uh, with life, living life to the full, and um, also maybe uh, a creeping distrust of adults. And um, then I think a year later, when I was still in high school, I went to the cinema to see an extended cut. I can remember telling my business studies teacher, um, he asked uh, what everybody's going to do later on in the day. And I said, I'm going to watch Battle Royale. And he asked me what it was about. And I said, uh, uh, Japanese school kids on an island, um, they're ordered to kill each other and only one can leave. And uh, everybody in the class was shocked. Uh, so my, my history of the film is almost identical to yours I, I watched it when I was around the age of the characters in the film and I you know and it was also the original cut of the film uh, and that might have been actually uh, the only time that I've seen the original cut since then it's it's been much harder to find and the extended cut has been much easier to find uh, at least you know the places that I've looked uh, but I, I very much enjoyed it. It was it, it appealed to me. It was it appealed to my sense of rebellion that is very natural at that age. It appealed to my distrust of adults. To my, you know, uh, I, I grew up in a very small, small, essentially a village, and sort of I've always uh, my when I was younger, the 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 main goal that I had in life was to escape, and sort of the 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 kids being trapped in that island. Sort of I I I identify with that feeling of being trapped in a very small space that I just that I had to get out of. Hmm. Um, uh, and sort of I I the 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 film appealed to me in that regard. Um, uh, since then, I've only seen. Uh, I might have seen the original edition maybe one or two more times, but since then I've only seen the special edition. And I have to say, I, I, I'm I'm a more of a fan of the original edition, at least as I remember it. I think the special editions add seeds that are interesting, that are you know that uh, I, I'm glad that they exist, that we can see to get more insight into the characters, and to bring it back to what you mentioned about Mitsu, uh, oh, what's her name, Mitsuko and her. Uh, Mitsuko and her, you know, sexual abuse as a young child, that's a scene that's only available in the extended edition, correct? Yes. And um and that sort of that's that's interesting information, but I think in the whole film, I think the that it's not necessary uh, in the film as a whole and um uh and some other scenes like some of the basketball scenes, I think they're, you know, they look good, especially the there's one shot where the ball goes backwards. 
mm-hmm. uh, travel is like a reverse. The film is 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 shown in reverse. I think that's a very cool looking scene, but I it just I I it doesn't I don't think it really adds anything to the overall thing. I I I much prefer the contained the contained story of the original cut where it's it's very minimalistic and you sh- you see the the kids. Uh, in the island and whatever you get of their backstory is mostly through their interactions there you don't see flashbacks uh, with very few exceptions mm, yeah i agree i just i love the fact that it was a quick setup on-screen text um the infamous video which gives all the rules and um uh takeshi kitano's um uh quips during the briefing and then it's like boom 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 booms a series of scenes that uh you feel like you're in the kid's situation there's all this chaos going on around you and you're trying to get your head into the game and you don't know who's going to betray who and uh yeah it just puts you in that world of the kids yeah absolutely that's also because it 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 works uh as an allegory better that way and here's uh here's my my take on it i you can make arguments of terrible dictatorships around the world but i think we can most people would agree with that something like battle royale like where you know uh, adults putting children in an island to fight to the death for years we just i i don't see i i find that an implausible an an entirely implausible scenario and i think it can only work so great because it's it, it works as an allegory as a metaphor the film does not attempt to try it into the real world and try to give a justification of how something like like this could really happen it doesn't bother with any of that uh and i think the the the, the extra scenes in in uh, the special edition, not all of them, but some of them do try to give that justification, and especially the novel it builds an entire world. Uh, the sequel does the same thing, and that's why I don't like them as much. I like the story as an allegory. I don't think it works as uh, speculative fiction, where you know someone tries to fit this into the real world and and figure out, yeah, this is how this something like this could really happen. And I just I just don't buy that. Uh, it, it doesn't. It, it loses all credibility for me, and it loses its power as a uh, as an allegory to repeat the same phrase yeah it's um the whole fascist dictatorship and um uh republic of greater east asia it's not really uh like the economics and the politics of it aren't gone into in great depth in the novel it's just the sense of how would a fascist dictatorship maintain power which is to break down trust which is one of the major themes of the film and the book and um the book benefits from its length uh by allowing longer backstories and setups for the characters so we understand their motivations and then putting the characters in various places for betrayals and fights to happen so we can um, really get immersed in that theme of trust and betrayal so since we already mentioned the book why did you you've read the book i read i've read quite a bit of it uh but not a lot i've read uh, maybe 20 chapters and this is uh, so okay so first of all let me just uh, be honest and say the reason why I, I have been discouraged for a book at least initially was because of its size it's a huge book mm. and uh, like I, I remember seeing it in a bookstore one time and uh, oh I can't remember if it was a bookstore or a library but it, it doesn't matter I was a big fan of the movie then I see the book and I saw the size of it and say ah no and never mind some <laughs> other time maybe uh, and then I picked up an audiobook and that's what I'm doing now as well and started listening to it I think I got about 20 chapters and I didn't it just wasn't for me. It's not only that I, I, like you said, the book does really go into detail about how the Greater Republic of East Asia works and how, uh, and how the relationship between the students involved in great detail. But to be frank, it just it didn't that sort of thing didn't interest me. Like I didn't I didn't care about you know the Republic of Greater East Asia. I cared about the dynamics within the battle royale uh, challenge. Um, and another thing that bothered me about the book is. Um, and this could be a virtue of the translation, but I, I thought it was very weakly written. I thought it was full of info dumps and uh, and just meandering of the prose into you know into uh, like like uh, I have a hard time describing. It, but like when you're having a thought and you're talking about something, then you you remember something else and you start talking about something else, and then you go back to the original point and then you you meander into a different direction. I thought the book had a lot of those. The prose was a lot of like that, and I just couldn't. I I I can I can you can keep my attention. I I know a lot of people love the books. So I'm not I'm not saying that is a definitive review, but so feel free to prove me wrong or or state your uh, disagreement. No, I found I find the writing of the book um really easy to get into. It's got a casual tone and 
the characters, um, because I'd seen them in the film and I could put like, um, faces to, to names and I could imagine the action, it helped propel me through the novel very quickly. And even though I knew what had happened in the movie, I still found the book a thrilling read, especially when I was trying to see where it diverged, where the film diverged from it. In terms of the quality of the writing, I thought it was solid. It was good. Uh, the descriptions of the violence were very bloody and brutal, and the characterization was okay. Uh, it's, we're dealing with archetypes. Um, I preferred the much neater version of the film. Could be just perception. Maybe, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, this is this has definitely happened. So you read one chapter, you form a negative opinion, and then the, just the rest of the book is just, it, you know, you can't help but view it in that preformed opinion of it. But I found I found the violence in the book uh, not only graphic, at least as far as I read, but I thought it was slightly more sadistic oh, definitely. than the film was. Definitely, especially with um, Chigusa's kill. Yeah, and that also rubbed me the, ro- the wrong way. And I, I thought the same thing of the second film, too. Uh, the second film was way more sadistic, I think, than the first film. The first film, the deaths feel, feel a lot more like a tragic inevitability mm. than just a, a, a than just a, a, a sadistic consequence of the story demands that they die, so they die. I thought the, the entire second film, I, I felt like it was like that, but the uh, but the first film, not at all. They didn't. It didn't. I mean, there's there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of sadistic characters within the film, but I didn't get that that impression from the directors whereas i did get that from the from, from the novel i felt like the the author was trying to to um, um was was delving into that kind of territory i suppose it uh shows sort of depth of violence um and the fear of um actually trusting someone if you've got that depth of violence there do you trust someone yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the film does a great job of conveying that, even in its short runtime. I liked the novel in that regards, because we had longer to set characters, and because we had those backstories where you had flashbacks to a time when, for example, Mimura was betrayed by one of his friends. It made the tragedy of Mimura's actions uh, hit home a lot harder, whereas in the film, his gang is together and complete, and we don't get any of that backstory. And I can agree. I can I can understand people who like extensive character development uh, and uh, and extensive world building appreciate the book. It's never it's never been my in my wheelhouse. I'm much more a fan of concise stories. Uh, if you can get you know if you can get the same the same information conveyed in one paragraph versus five pages, I, I'm I'm much more a fan of getting the one paragraph way, even if the prose is denser and maybe a little harder to read. Uh, I predominantly read short stories and short fiction novellas, uh, short novels. I'm not a fan of giant books with uh, epic stories or series or anything like that. So that just could be uh, my own personal preferences but still i couldn't help but feel yes you're right the the, the you get a lot more characterization and again i, I i'm only about you know 10 percent in or 15 percent into the book uh but i i always felt like yes i i could have gotten the same information about this character i've uh, in in less time than than what you're giving me and that's that's part of my complaint of the book it's not it's not that i didn't enjoy the characterization i just thought that it could have done it in a more concise way yeah Horses for courses. Uh, but um, actually, um, have, you having said that makes me feel like I prefer the original cut of the movie compared to the extended version because it is so concise. And uh, we, we get to the point very quickly. And it's just relentless and fast. And it makes a much more enjoyable and action-packed experience with no digressions. Since since you've read it, would you like to point out some differences between the 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 film and the book? Some 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 of the main things that stand out. You already did uh, mention the, the the characterization is a lot more extensive in the novel. Some of the character deaths are more impactful. But what are some some plot differences um, uh, between the two? Well, yeah, like um, the kill list is mostly the same order. But with the book, we get more details about who is killed and um, their thought process up to that point. The biggest change that I like was um, Kinpatsu Sakamochi, um, Takeshi Kitano's character. I felt like um, the film humanized him and made him sympathetic a lot more. And uh, whereas in the book, he was too much of a cartoon character. Kiriyama, who is played by, let me see, Masanobu Ando. He's like the silent killer, goes around with the Uzi, um, 
gunning down people. Uh, he's leader of a gang in the book, and um, he betrays his gang. There's a lot of build-up to that moment. And I felt that uh, uh, that was, again, for the theme of betrayal. And um, I preferred the film version, a sort of psychotic, demonic killer. Um, and you see that in the imagery when he has the showdown with Kawada. Oh, yeah, the in the fire. Yeah, and uh, I think he's gone blind at that point. He's got blood running down his, uh, from his eyes, so he's very ghastly. And um, Mitsuko Soma's uh, backstory is very tragic, and it goes into much more depth. And I think it humanizes her a, a bit more. Apart from that, we've got the ending, which is different as well, in terms of how the characters confront the teacher. So, do the same people survive at the end in uh, in the book? Yeah, the same people survive, but it's uh, a different method, shall we say? So, I mean, maybe we shouldn't spoil it for people who actually want to read the book. Uh, just, just tell me this: does uh, does the teacher die in the same? Oh, does the te- do they go through the same stunt of the teacher dying, then getting up to answer the phone to his daughter? Uh, yes. Uh, no. 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 It's much more believable. It's actually much more amusing and believable in the film than in the book because in the book it's like a military ship. Uh, I won't. I won't say any more. But I felt like okay, the film had a lot more uh, pathos for the teacher at that point, and also there's black humor. So, uh, so we can uh, we can transition to the sequel since we're talking about versions and uh, adaptations. So that's that's so the 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 sequel is is an is an interesting beast because it it mimics it tries to mirror a lot of the beats the dramatic beats from the original one, but they they feel a lot more artificial. For instance, in the in the uh, the first few scenes of the of the first film, there's few very few redeeming qualities about the teacher. He is. He's portrayed as, you know, just a, a a guy who's out to get the students. He feels resentful towards them and he just wants them to die. And you slowly see his transformation and he becomes a lot more human and a lot more uh, likable mm. by the end of the film. Uh, the, the, the teacher in the second film uh, pretty much uh, follows the same arc, but at least for, for me, did not feel believable at all. It felt like very cartoony. It felt like it was just... He only become became good all of a sudden because the script required him to be good, but uh, there was just nothing to to justify his his transformation. Yes, yeah, Ricky Takeuchi, so it's a really big cartoony performance. Actually, the thing I I can remember when I first watched it, I was put off with the opening beach assault. All the characters getting mown down. It just made each death each death felt pointless. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense. Here's a terrorist group that you're you're trying to kill, and you've for some reason let's just like get the first part off. For some reason, you decide that it's best to send children in than to hunt them. Okay, that's fine. You know, whatever rationale you decided gave you that idea, fine. Why make it more difficult for them to actually catch the terrorist? Yeah. Why pair them with necklaces so that every, for every one the terrorists kill, like they get another one for free? And uh, and like they don't have weapons in the beginning, they have to actually die to get the weapons. Yeah, air supply drops, and if the government has air superiority, why aren't they carpet bombing the place? Yeah, literally make no sense. Not only that, but there there feels like we know nothing about most of the characters that die. Like that's true of the same film, but you get we get small snippets in their interactions that just defines their characters just enough to make their deaths meaningful. At least all the minor characters, the the slightly more major characters get more backstory and so forth. But in, in the second film, they get nothing. It's just just like uh, Saving Private Ryan, except with kids. Yeah, yeah. It's And the characters are super cartoony. Like, you've got the jocks and the rockers, and it felt like too much of a stereotype, whereas... Um, the kids in the first film feel more real. Everything about the first film is like rooted, feels like it's rooted in our reality, where there's like um, the talk of economic collapse and um, uh, juvenile delinquency to adults and um, kids and the gap of trust between them, whereas the second one feels closer to the book with like the dystopia. Yeah, and, and the second film definitely has something for America. <laughs> It's uh, it's not even subtle. Uh, they 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 almost, without stating it, they almost endorse the nine eleven attacks, uh, which are at least shown twice. Not not exactly. There's supposedly an, they. It's another terrorist attack that happened in Tokyo, yeah, I think. 
with no, more than two towers falling, but it's essentially meant to represent 9-11. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk about how America's bombs so many countries. And it's, it's interesting hearing, um, seeing this content in other films, um, but like again, it's cartoony. There's not much insight into it. Yeah, and it doesn't. Uh, there's there's also something something weird about uh, the beginning of the film. The first time they mention, they do say America specifically, like when they list a number of countries <laughs> where uh, you know, like this is the countries that America has bombed. Uh, but then later they don't call it by name. They say <laughs> that country, which makes no sense to me. I don't know why they chicken out. Like what what was? I don't know if you have an explanation for for that choice. I, I... So no either, but it was made during the war on terror and the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan. So it's definitely a film of its time period. Yeah, I wonder if you know they like uh, obviously because obviously there's who knows how many days apart from from either scene, and maybe the actors chickened out for that scene and say, you know what, we don't want to we don't want to antagonize America again. So why don't we call it that country? Well, um, Battle Royale wasn't released in America at that time, and um, was there the expectation at some point at some point in the future that it would be released so they don't want to go too far with the criticism and i wonder who who made that decision if it was the actors or the filmmakers the first battle royale was not released in america uh not because american there was not an american market for it it's just uh the production company behind it was too scared to release it in america or anywhere else i think uh, I don't think it got a wide. It got a it got, it got, got a release in some countries, but it didn't get as a as a wide release as a, another film might have gotten. And I don't know if you have any more information on that. I believe it's uh, lawyers who went to like early test screenings noted the negative reaction, and there was like um, a lot of fear that it uh, would upset people. America is a nation with school shootings, of course, and seeing fifteen-year-old kids it was already controversial in Japan at the time for having fifteen-year-old kids shooting each other but in america it takes on a whole other sort of hue oh yeah oh yeah that's uh, that's right and I, I suppose by the time columbine which was the first major school shooting happened in 99 so i suppose it's possible that during the filming of this they didn't know in japan and then obviously that happened sometime between then and when the film was released so they mm -hmm. couldn't do that um but that's interesting yeah I, the the connection with that definitely is I, did, I hadn't made it before but it's it's definitely there it reminds me of another uh to get off topic for just a second i don't know if you've seen uh, an old british film from directed by lindsay anderson anderson called if uh it yeah it's got malcolm mclaren in it and it's set in a public school Ma McDowell. malcolm mcdowell yeah malcolm mclaren's a uh, music producer isn't he i think it's like i, I don't know uh, yeah Ma malcolm mcdowell yeah tank girl and uh clockwork orange so that that film that film was released in 68 uh it won the palm d'or in the Cannes film festival i think and it, it ends with a school shooting uh but so this was in 68 where um school shootings were completely different like the, the the idea of showing a school shooting school shootings did not exist in in real life and showing a school shooting in a film was an entirely metaphorical gesture uh but the perception of that film completely changed post columbine where where school shootings became in reality, at least in the U.S., uh, so I just that I just find it interesting how that is because I don't think I don't think in, in going back to Battle Royale, I don't think they they thought of school shootings when they were making the film. They certainly didn't think of it when Koshun Takami was writing it. No, he wrote it in '96, I believe, and um, during the late '90s, there was like a, a well. I don't think he thought of it specifically, but when the filmmakers came to make Battle Royale, uh, they rooted it in our reality because um, at that time, uh, you know, Japan's going through an economic depression after the burst of the bubble, and um, people struggling financially, and um, adults were losing jobs and their status, and um, their kids were growing up watching this. And there's also like a spike in youth crime, some really. Uh, horrendous uh crimes took place so i think the filmmakers play uh took that and put it into the film and i think that makes that basis in our reality makes film hit a lot harder than the book which is like an alternate history yeah and i sort of that what makes me think that uh fugasaku was not like like in many of his other adaptation he was not so much interested in the source material as he was in using the ideas of the source material to tell the story that he was interested in telling 
uh, particularly relating it to his youth in the in the munitions factory when he was a when he was a, a kid employed in a munitions factory during World War Two. Yeah, and um, he yeah that munitions factory suffered a lot of bombings, and uh, I believe he stated in a couple of interviews that he and his friends had to hide underneath corpses and um, get rid of the bodies. Yeah, so I've heard different accounts where one uh, he's uh, he stated that he had to they had to protect themselves during the bombings beneath corpses. Another one's that they had to bury the corpses. Probably both are true. Yeah, it seems like um, Kinji Fukusaku wanted to relay that wartime experience to a younger generation and his son Kenta introduced him to the book and so Kinji could use that book to give um sort of give his experiences to um teenagers at, uh in the 2000s you did mention about uh cr- crimes by the youth uh th- this them this uh, film uh, deals with a a few common themes that I found them to be relatively uh, well used or common in Japanese media and that one of them is uh, juvenile delinquency and another one is uh, uh, mistrust of adults and I can't, I mean uh, it's funny because I can't think of any other examples off the top of my head but uh, I think I think we both agree that those are common tropes or, or, or archetypes used in Japanese media whether it is in film, literature anime or manga um, do you know why those themes persist so much in Japanese uh, culture? So it is a common theme in uh, Japanese cinema. I think for Kinji Fukusaku specifically, he's from a generation of directors who explores um, working class life, those at the fringes of society, whether it's like um, Nakisa Oshima with uh, Zainichi Koreans and the um, discrimination they faced uh koji wakamatsu uh talking about um or making films about uh uh, far left groups um rebelling against society student groups rebelling against the government uh and i think it's like that time period that kinji fukusaku and um his fellow directors came out of they were rebelling against um governments essentially um and tradition they hold left-wing politics and so their films carry themes of mistrust of the government and adults who are um basically carrying forward a lot of um a lot of the uh they're carrying the status quo on and the stat and um there is a uh, sense in um the film that Kinji Fukusaku is definitely on the side of the students. Oh, yeah, I think there's little doubt about that. And uh, of course, Fukusaku also has personal reasons to mistrust adults because, uh, at least according to his account, he was they were lied to about the war. Uh, I don't remember if he was they were lied that there was a war going on or they were lied to about the nature of the war and who started it and who they were fighting and why they were fighting and things like that. Mm, he was also a left-wing protester in the uh, 60s and 70s as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of a lot of Fukusaku's generation also resent, uh, you know, the fact that due to maybe America's influence, um, right-wing politics have been more prevalent in Japan mm. than maybe what the population would have liked, including installing actual war criminals in power mm. in the early years of the of the republic or of the you know, post-war Japan. I would agree with that. Yeah, I can remember the name of uh, one particular prime minister or president who was a, a class A war criminal that served as uh, Japan's prime minister, I think, for uh, for an amount of time. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't possibly remember his name, but I remember that it was one. And, and even, you know, there's even other Fukusaku film where they explicitly deal with a topic, other Fukusaku films. Okay, so um, so we can move on to the reception of the film at the time. Uh, what so you did mention that the that the whereas the the film was certainly controversial in the U.S. it was also controversial in Japan, uh, but it did it did seem to to get a release. It wasn't prevented from being released, even though some 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 officials did try to some some members of parliament I think did try to get it banned or not to get it released in theaters, which is weird because it's not it's not like Japan Japanese cinema is devoid of violence in film. Uh, and uh, while you know the, the subject is very disturbing of kids killing each other, it's not the most violent Japanese film released at that time. No, 
but it's the the fact that it's rooted in reality and it feels like we've got 15 year old kids who you could imagine um seeing at a bus stop going to school uh it we can relate to them a lot more easily than say a lot of the action in a Takashi Miike movie which is far more cartoony it's and it's also a lot more it's so out there that you cannot tie it to the real world was was Fukasago's film is more far more closer to home yeah and um yeah politicians are definitely worried about the film's influence uh on children they worried it would be harmful it got a, a 15 rating which meant that kids uh oh people 16 and over were the only ones who could watch it and Fusaku uh obviously he wanted as wide release as possible he wanted 15 year olds to be able to see it um the cast is uh consists of many 15 year olds as well and um so he actually went around to different schools uh showing it to kids and later on another cut of the film was made which was less which toned down the violence and um that kids were able to see it then what well, when i say kids i mean 15 year olds <laughs> So, do you know if that hurt? Because uh, I couldn't couldn't find a definitive answer online. Do you know if that hurt the the film's box office? Uh, how did it do in terms of uh, tickets? I think the controversy only helped it because people went to see both versions. I see. Okay. I mean, and I I don't think they would have made a second film uh, if if the first film didn't do so well. I uh, I could be wrong. So, if anybody has any better answers, feel free to uh, write in. All right, uh, and I think also critically, it was well received. It was uh, it won and was nominated for several awards of the Japanese Academy, which is uh, roughly the Oscars equivalent of Japan. Uh, it won Best Editing, Newcomer of the Year for Tatsuya Fujiwara and Aki Maeda, and it also won the Most Popular Film. Uh, it was nominated for Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Screenplay, Best Musical Score, and Best Sound, uh, where it lost to a lot of those categories by. Uh, after the rain, uh, a Akira Kurosawa written film that was directed uh, shortly after his death. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it. No, it's a, it's an interesting film. Um, uh, it's I think it's it's been forever since I've seen it. Um, it's not as as memorable as Battle Royale by any means. Uh, it's about a Ronin and his wife traveling around uh, looking for something. I don't remember exactly, but uh, it didn't. It certainly didn't feel like a Kurosawa film to me, but. Uh, uh, or maybe it did feel like his later work, his work in the 90s. But I, I can understand why they would honor it at those awards as, you know, the very last Kurosawa written script that they would ever get. Uh, but um, so it, for most categories, he lost to that. To Best Director, he, uh, he lost to Junji Sakamoto, who directed Face. I have not seen that one. I don't know if you have. I haven't seen it, but I've read reviews and they're very positive. Uh, same here, yeah. Uh, yeah, so but it's still even the nominations for Battle Royale show that at least he was appreciated by the critical community at the time, and it's had a long shadow. This was, I think, it was Kinji Fukasaku's sixtieth film, and it's been described as the last sort of big entertainment film that provokes society. So his desire to get people to think of wartime experience, especially for teenagers, has paid off, and it's. Um, well known, a lot uh, better known than um, other films made in the year two thousand. I'd say um, when you look at other films around at the time, it's um, Takashi Kitano's Brother, uh, Takashi Miike's Dead or Alive, Two Birds, and um, Takashi Shimizu's Juon. Those are the other highlights of the year. Yeah, and it's it's maybe one of the most regularized Japanese film, and we did sort of mention a few times uh, in in the last episode and the episode before where. Uh, our initial theme for the season is gateway films. And this is literally the film that got me into Japanese cinema. I don't know if it's the first Japanese cinema, Japanese film that I've seen, but it's definitely the first uh, Japanese film that I remember seeing as a, this is a Japanese film. And after finishing saying, gosh, I want to, I want to explore more of this country cinema. So it's, de- it's, it's definitely uh, has an important place in, in the history of the country cinema in that regard. And it set off so many different trends, like battle royale games, such as uh, player unknown battlegrounds, and also Hunger Games as well. Uh, I don't know. I ha- to be honest, I haven't se- uh, re- watched the films, but I've heard the controversy around it. 
Yeah, so I, I guess uh, I was I was going to ask you, but you already answered my question. If you've seen it, and uh, where do you stand on whether it was a ripoff or or at least influenced by Battle Royale, or whether it wasn't? The author claimed that she had never read or heard of Battle Royale before it. Um, I find that a little too unbelievable, but I think it's different enough that it's possible that it, that I think it stands on its own. It's uh, it has it shares a lot of motifs and themes but it's uh, the story is a lot more uh i want to say americanized for one thing i think the the hunger games i haven't read the book i've only seen the first movie and that's it uh but does sort of the same thing that the novel does where it's set into into a very distant in this case it's not an alternate history but it's set into in the future so it's not it the impact into the modern world is not as is not as sharp as battle royale i've read that quotient kami is okay with um the Hunger Games and said both books can stand. I mean, like I said, I don't think I don't like I, I don't think the author was entirely unaware of the series, but they they are sufficiently different that um, let's just say wouldn't st- uh, a, a, a lawsuit would not stand in court. Okay. Okay. So I think I think you know, of course, there's a lot more we can talk about the film, but uh, is there anything else that you you think we skipped and you would like to add? I love the juxtaposition between um, sort of cutesy and humorous with uh, the bloody. So you would have, um, like again, the briefing video where the announcer is saying the most monstrous things. These students are going to have to kill each other. She's given the rules. She's showing the weapons. But she's doing it in a very cute way. And then you've got um, different um, scenes, like cutaways to the site of Kitano. Um, doing radio calisthenics uh, after the massacre and classical music playing. It's very calm. I quite like that. That mixture of tones. yeah I, I agree and um um to to follow up on that i i remember i was having an argument with someone who thought who claimed that the film was cheesy because he said every student when they die they just like uh, confess their crushes and th- they thought that was silly but my argument is that's exactly how a 15 year old thinks um that's what happens you know like when when chigusa dies and all she can say is you're so cool like that sounds cheesy but that's that's how 15 year olds think that's how that's you know that's that's the the, the best thing a 15 year old could have said yeah this is like a brilliant reflection of like the melodrama that's going on inside teenagers heads Absolutely, and it's remarkable that someone in their seventies was able to capture that so accurately. Yeah, yeah. There's um actually uh there's a video of the making of of the movie with Kinji Fukusaku and his cast going to the island. Uh, it's on YouTube, and um, it seems like everybody had so much fun, even though he's in his seventies. He's roaring around the set, and he's shouting, and he's laughing, and he's poking his tongue out, and he's uh, he's showing the kids how to act by flinging props around and everybody's getting into it. There's always a smile on everybody's faces. So it seems like he's a, like, a lot of fun to work with. Yeah, and uh, consider, especially considering that he probably had cancer uh, at that time, I think. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely... Uh, I think this is a, a great film. But we, I mean, we did, we did give ratings to our last film and for this one, I would, for me, it's an absolute five out of five. Yeah, absolutely. Five out of five, it nails the sort of social critiques and you care about the characters, the, um, the actors imbue them with some sort of life. And, um, the action is fast, clear and concise. Sometimes it doesn't even worry about geography because like a person could be jumping out of a window and then in the next cut, they're running along a beach. It's, it's, enjoyable from start to finish and it really puts you in the world of these teenagers it's just chaos 
and you're trying to keep up with it and with Kinji Fukusaku's camera work which is all swirling and um, uh, a dynamic and action-packed it's such a great viewing my only criticism of this film or my main criticism which is not really a criticism but I have to say it is that I think this film has unfairly overshadowed the rest of Fukasaku's career. Mm. It's usually, it's often the only Fukasaku film that is discussed outside the US, the outside Japan, as the only Fukasaku film that people are aware of. And I think that's that's almost criminal because his filmography is so great uh, and so diverse and so so worthy of exploring. Uh, but people often stop at Battle Royale, and that's that's my only gripe with this film. <laughs> but otherwise, I think it's great. Yeah, you're a, a Fukusaku fan, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. So he was kind of like, um, like, what is your favorite Fukusaku film? Oh, I have to say is um, uh, one that he did in 1972, I believe. It's called Under the Flag of the Rising Sun. Okay. Uh, and it's a movie that he did. It's about a, a World War II widow trying to prove that her husband was not a deserter. Oh. And it sort of it has a, a very experimental flashback um, approach to to the technique. Okay, and after that, I would have to say it's uh, the you know his Yakuza quintology, the Yakuza paper or Battles Without Honor and Humanity, mm. and I would probably put Battle Royale as third in my list of uh, in my uh, rating of Fukusaku films. Okay, for the longest time, Battle Royale was my favorite, but um, I uh, watched Violent Panic a few years ago, and I had so much fun with that film. What what year was that? A violent panic. I'm gonna have to check, but it's like the one with all the cars. And it's like a big destruction derby. I might not have seen that. Violent panic is 1976. Violent panic, the big crash. Yeah, one of his most prolific. The 70s were his most prolific time. So, so he had a lot of films. Also, I'm go. I I'm going to watch Fall Guy. Have you seen Fall Guy? Oh yeah, I think um, it's a film that. You have to approach it with a center mentality. You have to kind of like, have you seen Starship Troopers? Yes, yes. Paul Verhoeven. So Starship Troopers, you have to sort of, you perceive it differently when you look at it as an action film and differently when you look at it as a satire. Mm. And I think the same thing holds for Fall Guy. Fall Guy is a is a very silly comedy when you look at it as a comedy, but it, it takes on a completely different meaning, meaning if you look at it as a satire of the film industry. Mm. And uh, I, I actually reviewed it for V Cinema, so everyone can check that out if they want to. Okay, I'll definitely um, search out your review. Yeah, but I, it's definitely a worthy film. It's it's not, uh, it's, it doesn't, well, of course, Fukasaku was a very diverse director, so he directed all sorts of films, but for Fall Guy is not the first thing that comes to mind when someone thinks of Fukasaku. Okay, and um, how about Graveyard of Honor? That's uh, that's the Yakuza film. I, I don't think I've seen that one as well. That came out in 1971. It's one of his better known films. Uh, I have it. I just have not gotten around to it. So, do you uh, do you think that the sequel would have been a lot better if Kinji Fukasago had directed it? Because, uh, like, the script was already written, presumably, and I don't think, just judging from the final film, unless there were major changes, I don't know that the script was on par or even before even just looking them, uh, just the stories on paper. I don't think it was on par with the first film either. Uh, no, I f- yeah, I think a lot of the uh, issues with the film uh, come from the script. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it would be interesting just to see how, like, if Fukasaku, would, if, if Fukasaku would have been able to save it at all, or if it just had been, been maybe not as bad, but still pale in comparison to the first film. Mm. I, I felt like the direction echoed his style at points especially at the beginning where Ricky Takeuchi's like giving the briefing like you said it's a beat by beat uh replication of the first film a lot of it is yeah i think so and and i even gave it the benefit of the doubt so i hadn't seen the first film in a while and so i said you know what i'm going to watch the sequel first so my opinion of it is not tainted by by the first film, because I know it's not going to be as good as the first. It's just that was that was a given. But I said maybe it's maybe it judged on its own. It's okay, and uh, no, even <laughs> even judged judged on its own. It's pretty terrible, uh, pretty aggravating, pretty nonsensical. A lot of action. You know, if you're in for for mindless action, I guess it's it does that. But uh, definitely not not a good film. Yeah, I I think I would agree. <laughs> Uh yeah. So uh, you so you said you've only seen one Kenta Fukasaku film. I was wondering cuz I've I've read, I haven't seen any of his directorial efforts after this, but I've read that some of them have received better reviews than Battle Royale 2. So I was wondering if you had any experience of that. No, the only one I watched was um X-Cross. And 
I'm going to have to look it up. Kenta. Now, I think Ko Shibasaki is in that one. It's a horror movie. Uh, it was released on DVD in the UK, and I picked it up. Uh, he also did Yo-Yo Girl Cop. Okay, I haven't watched that one. No, she's not yeah. in it. No, nobody. He did a he did a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Nobody from I don't think anybody from Battle Royale was in X Cross. Okay, yeah, X Cross is the only one. Uh, it's a goofy horror movie. That's about it. I watched it many years ago, and um, I haven't watched it since. Okay. Also, final. So I, I've I've got the impression that you play a little bit more video games than I do. Uh, <laughs> so after. Uh, again, I'm just speculating. Feel free to correct me if that's not the case. Uh, it's true. But uh, <laughs> okay, I, I mean, my my video game time is almost non-existent. So even if you play a little bit, that's still more than me. Uh, but uh, uh, Fukasaku, after so Battle Royale was his final complete feature film, but he also directed a video game after that, Clock Tower Three. I was wondering if you've if you've ever played it or if you know anything about it. I've watched a let's play with super best friends on youtube a couple of times and it's enjoyable it's a survival horror game where a schoolgirl is transported to 1940s london during the blitz and she has to run away from like a time traveling killer with a giant mallet who's chasing after her and um it's got plenty of explosive action scenes in it um the clock tower series um basically you're running away from someone with like giant scissors or um, a giant mallet and you're trying to find places to hide or ways to dodge him and um, it's held in affection with, uh, by video game players who know of it especially those who love Japanese um, games that's good to know I mean that's all I know about it is that it received generally good reviews uh, but that's that's it I think it says a lot about Fukusaku that like Video games are generally held in low regard, or they used to be, and he decided he wanted to make a video game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he was definitely not uh, n- not a stranger to experimentation, exploring exploring new forms. Uh, although I, I I'd be willing to guess that his illness maybe had an effect, as he could he could because you know a video game is all digital, so maybe he could do that sitting down or without having to exert himself physically. Mm. If you look at the uh, making of Battle Royale footage, he's charging around the film set. Like, even though he's in the 70s, he's got so much energy. And the actors uh, keep commenting on how his energy gave, gives them energy to keep uh, going on through, uh, through the shooting. Yeah, I've I've seen that video, and I'll I'll post it on the I'll post it on the description of our podcast cool. uh, along with the other materials. But yeah, it'll be it's very interesting, and there is I think also an interview or a roundtable session, something like that. Yeah, they're uh, on the stage. They, yeah, something like that with all the cast, and that's also fascinating. Where uh, Fukasaku talks a little bit about his history with uh, World War II and how the film reminds him of that. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So, uh, anything else that we'd like to add? Uh, no, that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm, I'm. As soon as we finish, I'm gonna say, "Oh, damn! Well, we should have talked about that as well." So that's always happened, and we're still learning. So yeah, uh, you know, uh, hopefully people will not be too, too harsh on us, and hopefully we'll we'll get better at you know, at um, coming up of uh, being more fluent about these things. But I guess it's fine to make mistakes in the beginning, right? This was the second episode of our show, Heroic Purg- Heroic Purgatory, an Asian cinema podcast. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the South Korean film Bittersweet Life, directed by Kim Ji-woon. I'm looking forward to it. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we say goodbye to our audience? Yeah, I'd just uh, encourage everybody to visit John's uh, blog and uh, uh, view his writing on V Cinema, and to uh, visit uh, my blog as well, genkinahito.com, uh, wordpress.com. Yes, and I'll put, I'll put all that in the description and our, our Twitter handles as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, until next time, I uh, hope everybody uh, stays safe and uh, hopefully they watch the movies that we talked about or recommend. Yeah, please enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>